think this is going to be a challenge to do in five minutes, but the anatomy of the diaphragm. Right, I'm starting my five-minute timer. Let's get on with it. Uh, the diaphragm. We're talking about the separation between the thorax and the abdomen in the torso. It divides your central cavity up into two, right? Um, it's made of skeletal muscle. <gasps> So you can choose to move your diaphragm. It has some holes in it because some things need to pass through from the thorax to the abdomen or vice versa. And it is an upwardly curved dome. So it curves up towards the thorax when it's relaxed. Um, it's attached to the body wall all the way around uh, to the xiphoid process, which is at the bottom end of the sternum anteriorly to ribs 7 to 12 so it's low down but it goes higher than maybe many people expect it to and to vertebrae L1 to L3 um, so it is this big curving dome that starts out quite low goes up quite high comes back down quite low again all the way around so when the muscle contracts the muscle shortens and the diaphragm becomes flatter uh, which means that the volume in the thorax increases the pressure decreases and air is drawn into the lungs that's its purpose the abdominal organs are pushed inferiorly when you take a breath in um, so the pressure in the abdomen increases uh, which can be very useful uh, the, luckily the abdominal walls are layers of muscle and not bony ribs so those abdominal walls can stretch outwards to compensate for that volume change in the thorax so I said that the diaphragm is made of skeletal muscle so it's a somatic structure it's something you can choose to move and you can, but most of the time, uh, the brainstem is managing the rate at which it contracts and how deeply it contracts um, in response to the body's needs by sensors sensing essentially CO2 and O2 in the blood. There are autonomic reflexes that manage your breathing for you. So you don't have to think about it all the time, but you can if you want to. That skeletal muscle meets in the middle, uh, at the top of the dome, as a central tendon. Interesting fact worth mentioning, uh, it was thought that the diaphragm was the location of the soul. It was the seat of the soul. Now, philosophically and anatomically, the soul has moved around the body a bit over uh, the last few thousand years. Um, but it's, it's, it, you can imagine how this came to be. The diaphragm expresses emotion, expresses yourself. Um, so it, it makes sense that the diaphragm could be seen as the seat of the soul. The reason I mention that is because of, well, it's innovation for one. The phrenic nerve, C345, keeps the diaphragm alive. The phrenic nerve innovates the diaphragm. And that word phrenic refers to the mind, which comes from that seat of the soul idea, that location of your consciousness. So you'll find the word phrenic and phren associated with the mind and with the diaphragm. And that's why, because those words come from that idea in our human history, right? So C345 keeps the diaphragm alive. So these are spinal nerves in the neck. They come out of the cervical spinal cord, which is an interesting idea. And that's because they, in the embryo, the diaphragm formed up at that level and then it descended as the embryo lengthened. So we trail the phrenic nerve from the neck down through the thorax. It innovates the pericardium as it goes by, by the way, and down to the diaphragm. So it carries motor innovation to the diaphragm and sensory innovation from the pericardium and the diaphragm as well. So that's a really important nerve, right? Luckily, there's one on either side. Uh, organs. 
the heart is superior to the central part of the diaphragm. It sits on that central tendon. The lungs are also superior to the diaphragm and they sit on either side. The liver is inferior to the diaphragm. It's on the right. It's very large, so it extends across the middle towards the left. The relaxed diaphragm, that dome, actually does a very good job at surrounding the liver. Uh, the stomach is inferior to the left. The spleen is even more left. And the kidneys and suprarenal glands are uh, next to the uh, diaphragm on the posterior wall of the abdomen. Uh, there are a couple of recesses. So that curve of the relaxed diaphragm inside the tube of the torso leaves some narrow gaps and sharp angles between the diaphragm and the body wall on either side. On the chest x-ray, these are visible as the costodiaphragmatic or costophrenic angles. Holes then, well, the diaphragm posteriorly is attached to the vertebrae by a couple of legs. Crura means legs. The aorta sneaks through the aorta post, uh, sneaks through the diaphragm posteriorly here, kind of behind it really, at the T12 vertebral level. The esophagus passes through the esophageal hiatus. Oh, there's my timer. That's not too bad. Uh, the esophagus passes through the esophageal hiatus at the T10 vertebral level, and the inferior vena cava goes through the caval opening at the T8 level and straight into the heart, which is sat right there. Blood supply, phrenic arteries and veins from those major blood vessels as they go through, and of course, intercostal arteries are around the periphery where the diaphragm meets the, uh, the rib cage, right? And that's it. That's the diaphragm anatomy in... Um, <laughs> In five minutes, there's quite a lot. <laughs>